0: Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com slash giving. Enjoy the podcast. A thrill of hope. Hope is what comes with promises. Hope, Hope comes because we've been promised something. Hope comes because... There's an expectation of something. Hope comes because we just can't wait. I mean, think about it. Just right away, you you think, oh, Christmas is coming. I don't know. The later on in life you get, the less you think about Christmas
1: as far as what I'm going to get. You know, my kids ask me, Dad, what do you want for Christmas. I don't know. I don't have a long list. But before,
0: I had a list. I had a list. I mean, it would be easier today to make the list. You know, as as a kid now, it'd be so much easier. Internet's amazing, right? Amazon. You know, you used to have to go through the Sears catalog. As soon as that thing, anybody under a certain age in the room is going,
1: what? And you'd circle things. I would
0: draw the list out, write it out, and put page numbers. (laughs) Because you were hopeful that that's what was going to happen. You were hopeful that, you know, parents would get the message. Last week we talked about the promise. That Jesus would save his people from their sins. It was a hope. The angel told Joseph not to divorce Mary and and she would give birth to a son and they would name him Jesus. Jesus was the fulfillment of a promise that started way back with the judgment that God issued to the serpent in the garden with Adam and Eve. Today we're going to look at another promise. This promise was made many generations later. Once again, it had to do with what appeared to be an impossible situation. There are many years and a lot of of years and layers between the promise and the ultimate fulfillment. About 2,000 years before Jesus was born, There was a man named Abram. Abram went through all kinds of situations to get to where God wanted him to be. We're going to do a a quick overview of his life. We're going to spend some time on his life, but but we're going to do an overview of his life, Abram's life, just to get a perspective. Because Abram ties in so closely with the story of Christmas. At this point in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham was still named Abram because God hadn't changed his name yet. that, That comes later and it's really not relevant for today. But Genesis 12, 1 says this, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Those are great promises. I mean, you look at that and and you say, oh, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You'll be a blessing to others. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. But can you, can you imagine if God said to you in this room right now that all the people in this room would be blessed through you? Like that's still pretty significant. But God's promise to Abraham was all the families on earth will be blessed through you. The, the problem is, Abram doesn't have any children. He's 75 years old. How many of you over 75 are like, can't wait for the kids to come? (laughs) Your own. (laughs) Not kids that are grown with grandchildren. Not that question. The question is, how many of you
1: can't wait for... I haven't cracked 50 yet, and I'm not sure I could start over. (laughs) And yet
0: God spoke to Abram. And it appears that Abram believed God and did exactly what God told him to do because he sets out and starts to go. God had chosen Abraham, and Abraham believes and yet can't figure out how it's going to happen. How is he going to be, how is he going to be a blessing to every family on the earth? It continues on in Genesis 15. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant of my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No. Your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. I want you to to do me a favor for just a moment. I I know in Kansas we get that scripture. We get it. In New Jersey, where I grew up, we don't get it. Because when you go outside and look up at the stars, there aren't any. I mean, they're somewhere, but you can't see them. Like, oh, we might have seen the North Star. I mean, how impressive is that for Abram? If he lived in New Jersey, he walks outside and goes, one. It's not very impressive. And we know, living in Kansas, that if you step outside, get a little bit away from the city, you can see stars. So many that you can't count them. And God tells Abram, that's how many descendants you will have.
1: At this point, Abram is probably in his 80s. Still no children. It's kind of a bad deal. Genesis 17 says,
0: when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. It goes on in verse 7, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner, to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and ever, and I will be their God. We need to keep in mind that at this point, God has repeated his covenant promise to Abram at least three times. And at this point, Abraham and Sarah have yet to have a child. Oh, they've, they've done some things their own way. They, they've tried to help God out, we know that, and, and to bring fulfillment. But it hasn't happened at this point. And God keeps telling Abraham he is going to be a blessing to all nations.
1: And God's told Abraham he's going to have a son. But it hasn't happened. But all of a sudden... At 99 years old, God tells him, by this time next year, it's going to happen. At the age of 100,
0: Abraham and Sarah have a son and name him Isaac. Think about what that wait would have been like 25 years from the first promise that God made to him to the birth of Isaac. I'm just saying, new parents, like first child parents, right? I mean, everything is a big deal. Can you imagine waiting 25 years for the child to be born? Can you imagine if there were Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at that point? They would have filled the feed with that stuff, right? First burp, first food, first shepherd training, first friend. I mean, they're doing a picture every minute of every day.
1: Abraham and Sarah would have gone crazy with modern media. Can you imagine the the level of excitement to finally have a child
0: after waiting for that kind of time? Look, I can barely wait for lunch, okay? It's like about, I don't know, 40 minutes or so away, right? And so 45 minutes away. So lunch is that, that's hard for me to wait that long because there's a promise of barbecue. And I hear there's a rack of ribs maybe to auction off. Already done. I'm not not getting hungry. I can't wait for lunch. 25 years, Abraham waits
1: for the promise to be fulfilled. They would have been so proud. But they didn't know that at the age of 16, everything would change. I mean, there's a lot of things that change at 16, right?
0: Driver's license, insurance rates, things like that. But, but, but Abraham, at, at, at the time Isaac is 16, he gets a crazy message from God. The same God who's been telling him all along, oh, I'm going to bless every family on the earth through you. About 40 years after the first promise, Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called? Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, you read that, we read that in a modern context, and we, we read those statements and you think, "This is crazy." What we don't grasp is that would have been normal in many of the religions in that day. Child sacrifice was not uncommon. It's repulsive. And God uses this. Could you imagine, like if somebody even brings something like up, up, up today, there's no way, and, and God's never going to ask this of any of us. There's no way. It's not going to happen. But, but when you hear that, when you read that, you think, well, that's so crazy. There's no way. I mean, that's, Abraham had had, had these moments with God where, where he knew God had spoken to him. He knew the promise. And yet God is, the same God who spoke to him of the promise is the God who's telling him this and he, he has to do what he's told. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We worship there, and then we'll come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. While he carried himself, carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, I'm just thinking—just me thinking. Isaac's about sixteen. Abraham, approximately 116.
1: Who do you think's faster? I I think Isaac could outrun him. There's an amazing trust here between Abraham and God and Isaac and his father. Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice.
0: At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied. Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yirah, which means the Lord will provide to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of your of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Now, there's incredible lessons to learn through this passage of Scripture. And some of them, although they're great lessons to learn, aren't even the main point. Here's here's some of the lessons. One of the reasons that that we read this passage of Scripture, and God includes this, is, is it's There's a lesson here that we learned that it it would have strengthened Abraham's faith. I mean, just like Abraham, we might go through some events and situations that God allows us to go through for our faith to be strengthened. Look, there's things that we walk through. There are things that I hang on to throughout all of my lifetime as a follower of Jesus where God has done certain things in situations that I remember that builds my faith for the future. See, the things that we walk through in our faith journey with Jesus are things that are going to prepare us for the, for the future. See, he builds faith within his people through the things that we go through. Some of them he brings. Some of them are because of we live in this fallen world. But he walks with us through those and he helps us. And he enables us to go through it and builds our faith for the future. Well, another thing that we learn here that had to have happened is Isaac gets a firsthand experience of God, of the God of his father, the God that his father knew and had experienced. One of the most powerful things that our children need to have is an experience with God for themselves. Isaac got one through this. Through everything he saw and he heard, and he trusted his father. And he saw God's provision and his work. I mean, if I'm Isaac, it's a bit stressful to go
1: through it. Because you think you're about to die. And God provides. It also serves us to
0: to see that that God is justified in choosing Abraham as, as the recipient of his covenant promises. I mean, if that's what it's going to take for people to know that, that I'm called by God, I don't know that I want to go through it. I mean, I'm not sure that that's... God knew Abraham's life, and he knew Abraham trusted. But God knew. God knew what Abraham's response was going to be. I mean, just think about that for just a moment. Look, God still asks us to pray, even though he knows what we're going to pray. God asks Abraham to walk through this test even though he knows how Abraham's going to respond. There's a lesson to be learned there that all that we do is for our benefit, for our learning, for our growth, and for us
1: to to see in our own lives that God will provide. How about this one? How about to offer a picture of a father's pain in sacrificing his son.
0: As we know, God eventually does with Jesus. I mean, here's one of the most incredible pictures that we see anywhere in the Bible. Abraham and Isaac took a three day journey out to the wilderness of Moriah. Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment. This is not a quick decision. This isn't just Abraham, kill your son as an offering. Okay, do. No. It's a three-day journey on a donkey into the wilderness. Can you imagine what Abraham is going through on a three-day journey, knowing that at the end of the three-day journey, I'm going to kill my only son because God has told me to. Can, can, can you imagine the, the, the difficulty for Abraham to make that journey? With every step, he's one step closer to killing his son.
1: seems crazy. When is it that Jesus discovers his sole purpose, being born at Christmas,
0: was to die? How many years does Jesus live with that? Does he know from birth? Does he know at the age of 12? Does he not discover it until he's 30 when he starts his earthly ministry? Because we know from that point on, he knows. We know that he, he, he walks with a resolute decision that he's going to a cross.
1: He's born of the world. For one reason. We know that God the Father knows for 4,000 years, he knows throughout all of eternity, that he knows he's going to send his son to a planet that he created
0: to die a brutal death. He knows.
1: And yet he sends Jesus to do it. He sends Jesus to die for us purposefully
0: calculated decision so that we might experience life, so that we might be forgiven.
1: As significant as all those things are, that's not even the central point of the passage. The purpose of Abraham offering Isaac as a sacrifice
0: was so that God would know that Abraham feared God. It, it tells us it that right in the passage. Verse 12 itself specifically says it. It was done for God's benefit. Genesis twenty 12. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. The stakes are incredibly high. Has Abraham's faith been motivated by personal gain or simply by his love for God? Up until this point, no one knows for sure. Maybe Abraham himself doesn't even know for sure. How how is it, why is it that Abraham is following God? Is it because of the blessings he has promised? Or is it because of who God is? The, The test allows Abraham to demonstrate to himself To Isaac, to the world, and most of all, to God. And his faith is driven, not by what he will receive out of it, but by his commitment to God. God and God alone motivates his faith. He is willing to give up everything he stands to gain,
1: all he loves, all he hopes for, because God asked him, because he trusts him.
0: Look, God brings tests like that into our lives for a reason. God allows things to come into our lives for a reason. Because he has a plan. He knows what he's doing. It's sort of like this. In school, they test kids for gifted and accelerated programs because they see something in the kid's life. They, they look at them and go, you know, there's something about this. There's something about this kid. Well, maybe we should test him to see if, if he's being under-challenged because we want to challenge him further. We want to we we test him to make sure that he gets the most he can out of the, the school. That's exactly what God does to us, is he'll test us because he sees something in our lives, and
1: he says, you know, there's something in this person, and I believe that they will do well in this test. Look, we're, we see a lot of things in our lives. Testing is a compliment and a
0: privilege. Now, we don't see it that way. I don't see it that way. I mean, I don't want, I mean, I'm not like, all right, give me the hardest test you can. Who signs up for that? Like, you're not going to sign up for that in school? Like, okay, if the teacher says, you got a choice, you can take test A. Test A is average. It, it'll Test what you know, but, you know, it's not going to be stressful. Or test B is brutal. Like, no one's ever passed it. Like, I've given it for 25 years, and the best score's been a 21. Oh, yeah, I want to take that one. Just because I can see if I get a 22? No. Why would we do that? We don't sign up for those. Because we don't like that necessarily. But what kind of tests can we expect from God? What what kind of tests is he going to bring into our lives? Now, we've spent all this time talking about Abraham. And it's Christmas, right? I mean, that's not very exciting.
1: What's so significant about Abraham and Christmas? Well, The promise made to Abraham was
0: ultimately fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. Many of the Jewish people of the first century would have understood it. They would have known. We find it recorded in Matthew chapter 1. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. And that's all we're going to read in the genealogy because otherwise you'll go to sleep. The promise was repeated over and over, generation to generation. In fact, two generations after, after Abraham, God appeared to Jacob in a dream and repeated the promise of Abraham to his grandson Jacob. Genesis 28, 13 says, at the top of the stairway stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west, to the, to the east, to the north, and to the south. And all the families on the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. So Matthew traces his genealogy of Jesus from Abraham to Joseph and establishing Jesus' right to the throne, but also demonstrating the, the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham. So we finally read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who was called the Messiah. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. Now, in all honesty, you need to understand that there's a few generations that are skipped over. Okay, there's 14, 14, and 14, but there's really more than that in a couple spots, so don't worry about it. Matthew just kind of skips over. It's easier to memorize this way is really what the point is. They were, they were able to, the symmetry of it, they were able to come up with it. And so if you go and study all the, 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 the genealogy, you're, you're going to see that they skipped a generation here or there. That wasn't the important part. The important part was to establish the, the right of Jesus to the throne of David, which we'll talk about next week. But number two, to being the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. If you find your place yourself in a place where you thought that God was leading you and you've seen your share of disappointments and difficulties. Don't give up. The fulfillment of the promise that God has given you, that God had given you in the past, might not come through in your lifetime. That's not very encouraging, is it? Because ultimately, that's exactly what happens with Abraham. Abraham sees a part of the fulfillment. He sees that people are blessed through him. But he doesn't even know what God had in mind. He doesn't understand that the ultimate fulfillment is in Jesus. He didn't get it. He wasn't privileged to know. We get the privilege of looking back. But the question we have as we're faced with today
1: is are we willing to serve God even if there aren't any benefits? Is serving God
0: and knowing God enough? Does he have to give us
1: stuff in order for us to trust him and follow him? God saw in Abraham a man that
0: was willing to give up the most important thing in his life because God asked. I don't believe that God's ever going to ask us to surrender our children in that form and fashion. Just understand. He may ask us to surrender our children to his work. They may go to places that aren't safe. They may may carry out the work of God in places that that there's persecution. I, I get that. And we've got to be willing to surrender that. But God is never going to say, oh, anyway, he will never say to us,
1: offer oh, a child alone, as a sacrifice. It's not going to happen. Are we willing to serve God even if there aren't any benefits? Essentially, that's the
0: question that was asked of Abraham. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to serve me even if you get nothing out of it? Are we willing to serve God for the hope of eternal life. Are we willing to serve God? If the only thing we ever see from God, the only thing we ever receive from God is eternal life. Are we willing to serve him on this planet if that's all we're ever going to experience? If he doesn't do anything for us, are we willing to serve him? Are we willing to do the right things even if someone else gets Credit for the fruit of our labor. If we never get any credit, if we never get any blessing for what happens, are we willing to serve God? Abraham was given a promise, but the ultimate fulfillment of that promise was 2,000 years later. This Christmas, my prayer is that every one of us would have a new experience with Jesus that would build our faith.
1: Not to get stuff, but just to experience Jesus.
0: Just to have an experience with Jesus that would grow our faith, that we would see God at work
1: somehow in our lives, and our faith would grow. You know what? It isn't too much of a stretch to believe That our nation, our city, and our families will be blessed
0: because of us.
1: That sounds crazy. But look,
0: but God makes some promises to us, even in Matthew 6. He says, seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. So if we seek first the kingdom of God, then he's going to give us all the things that we need. Those are needs, those are not major things. Those are needs.
1: But look, as the body of Christ, we are who God is working through in our
0: city and in our world. I think that God wants to bless those around us through our lives. Look, even if we get nothing, look, remember, Abraham is told that every family that's on the earth we bless through you. And they were. But Abraham didn't really see it. He saw some parts of it. He didn't see it. We, as the followers of Jesus, we we have the Holy Spirit in our lives resident within us, living in us as a deposit guaranteeing our future. That's who God has given us. He's working in our lives and he's working through us and he's wanting us to bring hope to people around us. And I'm telling you, in this city,
1: this world needs hope. When you read or you hear about kids committing suicide, this world needs hope. We have the hope. We have
0: the hope of Christ. We should be blessing every family in our city just because we carry
1: the presence of Jesus with us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this
0: morning. Thank you, God, for this day you've given us. Lord, as we look forward to the the celebration of Christmas, we look forward to the celebration of of the birth of the baby Jesus. Lord, let us not keep him there Let us see him for who he is. The king. The king who rules, the king who reigns. The king who rules and reigns in our hearts and our lives and the king who rules and reigns in this world. And Lord, I'm asking that you would help us. Lord, that we would be a blessing to those around us and that we would serve you and we would follow you and we would commit to being your people. No decision, no thought to what we get from this personally. Lord, help us to follow you because who you are. Help us to live for you because you're God. Help us to live for you because you're our Savior. Help us to live for you because of who you are. We'll serve you no matter what. Even if we get nothing else from it, Lord, may we have the faithfulness, in the faith of Abraham, trusting you in the midst of all kinds of situations. God, help us as your people to bring hope to bring hope this Christmas season Lord because we know that you are faithful every promise you've ever made you have carried through Lord help that confidence rise up within us that we will bring hope to those around us Lord we thank you for it in Jesus name